you don't want to miss that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you ready for the word today? Praise be to God. We had a, my wife and I had a really great week. We got to spend Monday and Tuesday with Doc Barkley, and uh, that was really inspiring, and uh, uh, there's some things I'm going to share with you from that uh, in, in today's message. So it kind of be a little bit different type of message. You know, I've titled it in the the last days, or you know, the, the last days. But if you, you can start, start off, go ahead and open your Bible to uh, Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. And um, look at a couple scriptures here. But some of the things that, you know, the doctor was, he was sharing with us. And, uh, and as he shared some of these things, I began to, you know, it reminded me of, the, yeah, we're, we're in the last days. These are the last days. Make no mistake about it. These are the last days. Some of the things that um, are, are, are coming on, and I don't know if you, maybe you even heard this in the news, but the, um, the United Nations has warned Christians um, that if we come against the, the, uh, the pedophile agenda, we will be blocked out of certain things. Yeah, when they when they set when they set their agenda in motion, um, if we come against pedophilia, um, they've earmarked Christians to be eliminated. All right, to be taken off their system, whatever that means. You won't be able to get food or water and things like that. And uh, so you're starting to see that these are the last days. And do they think they can get away? Well, sure, they think they can get away with it. I mean, when they when they shoved down the um, the gay agenda down the church's throat, a lot of the churches just swallowed it and took it. They bowed to it. You you saw you know you saw churches not only bow to it, but they brought in homosexuals to preach from the pulpit. And so all these people that go to these churches, they think, well, that's just you know. You know, things have to change. No, God, he said he's the, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. All right? So that, that's still an abomination. And this, you know, it, the church swallowed that one, so, uh, and I, I use that term loosely. There's a real church, and then there's a fake church. But do, do you think the fake church is going to have any problem swallowing this pedophilia lie, too? No, they won't. They'll, they'll, they'll bow to that. And they'll tell people, they'll make up whatever they have to to, tell, to, to justify it, that you know, it's okay to, to accept that. No, it's not. No, it's not. So that's a concern. And that's, kind of, that, you know, that's something that's coming on, and you need to know about it because these are the days that we live in and the times. And you know, I, you know, I believe that that will happen after the, the, the true body of Christ is taken out, but it's, it, it's at the precipice of this happening. So they, they're starting to talk about it. So if they're starting to talk about it, um, it's not too far away. Um, the other thing, too, that, that, and I've, I've seen it, too, is as we, were, as we were starting the church up over the last 10, 15 years, there was times that um, this spirit tried to get on me to, to do some different things to grow the church. And uh, it's a lying demon of church growth. And Doc you know, was, was speaking about it, and I've seen it, and I've sensed it, and, understood, and really, by the Spirit of God, knew what it was about, but didn't fully understand until he started putting it into words. This lie, lying demon of, of church growth gets on churches and, and tries to get them to make it a priority to bring people in. Now, yeah, we, we are about winning the lost, but not at every cost. And this lying spirit has come into churches and teaches them how to, to promote church growth outside of the things of the Spirit of God. 
you know, there's lots of programs out there for churches to tap into to, to grow their church size, get the word out, and get people to come in. The problem is, is once you get them in here, then you're going to have to deal with it. And that's, the, that's, that's what we don't want to have happen, is have a lot of people coming into to the church, filling it up uh, to the rim, uh, the brim, whatever, but bringing all their sin with them and we're not even dealing with it. You can see just the, the problems down the road that happens with this. Doc was giving uh, an example of uh, a few years ago, he had this one minister from up north in, I believe it was the Chicago area, called him and said, you know, is this you know, Doc Barkley? He said, yeah, this is Mark, Mark Barkley. He said, what can I do for you? He said, well, I'm pastor so-and-so of this church in, in Chicago. And he said, I've got a problem. I was told that you could help me out with it. He said, well, what's your problem? He said, I, I got this church, and it's, it's grown. It's real big. We're, we're several thousand members. But now there's some problems in the church. He said, well, what kind of problems are you having, Pastor? He said, well, um, they're selling drugs in the church. And uh, I've just found out recently that there's a prostitution ring running in the church. And Doc Barkley said, you know, Pastor, he said, I understand your problem. He said, but I'm not going to help you out. He said, well, what do you mean? You, this is Mark Barkley, uh, 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 Mark T. Barkley, the one that, you know, preacher of righteousness. Isn't he said, yeah, that's, that's me. He said, I'm not going to help you out because here's why. If I come up there and I do what I do, everybody in your church is going to leave. Yep. They're all going to leave. And it'll be in the news that Mark T. Barclay came up and closed the church down. And he said, no, you made your vomit. Now, now, now you clean it up. And you, I'd heard him say this before, but when he said that, I, there was something in my spirit that went off. He said, you better watch how you build the church. If you don't do it through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of God, you'll get a bunch of people, yeah, you can get a bunch of people in, all right, and make, your, and make yourself look good. But in God's, in God's eyes, you haven't done nothing. You've actually hurt the kingdom because all those people sitting in that church think that they're Christians. I'm not judging them. I'm, I wouldn't want to, I'm just saying I would not want to be them on Judgment Day thinking that you think you're a Christian because you went to church. And that's not the only church. There's lots of churches. But this we're seeing an increase in this programs coming out of building churches and how to get more people in. We don't talk about the S word. We don't talk about the Holy Ghost. We definitely don't have people getting uh, slain in the spirit or anything like that. That's what, they're that's what they're teaching churches. Brother Hagen warned us years ago. He said, you're one, you're one generation away from having the Holy Spirit removed from your services because the young people aren't taught about the, the, the Holy Spirit and how he, he moves and how to how to fellowship with him through the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, that's not being taught in church. I was in a, a service, my son and I was in a service here about six months ago uh, in Owensboro. I won't tell you which church. <clears throat> but we went there to see a, a minister. Oh, I can tell you who. We went to see Perry Stone. And Perry was, was ministering at this church. And at the beginning of the service, they did the praise and worship. And then the next thing I know, there's smoke filling up the altar. It wasn't a glory cloud. It wasn't the, the presence of God. It was artificial, it was, what, what do they call it, um, dry ice, huh? Fog machines. Fog machines, yeah, fog machines. Well, I turned around and looked at Perry because I, I knew where he stood on that. Because I, I thought, well, he's going to say, surely he's going to say something. Yeah, sure enough, in about two or three minutes, those fog machines were shut off. See, the problem is churches don't know how to bring the presence of God, so they have to imitate the glory of God. Make you feel that the, 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 the presence of God is there because 
there's smoke going on. No, the only kind of smoke we want here is the smoke from the Holy Ghost. And when the glory cloud comes in, you'll, you'll know it's here. It won't look like no fog machine. I mean, there's times I, we've been in, 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 the, in the glory, but it's, it's not a fog machine putting out that, that fake stuff. It's the real glory. So those are, things, those are two things to, to, to watch out for. Uh, and we have it in this area. A lot of, you know, a lot of these churches ha have these programs in. It's all about building, building uh, people, having people come in so that what? They can feel like they've been to church. They, did their, they, 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 they paid their, their dues. They t and they leave with nothing. They leave with nothing. They don't have any power. They have no more power when they came into the church and when they left, they had no, no more understanding of authority. That's not what disciples are. The third thing that he talked about, and I've been somewhat aware of this for years and uh, didn't really think too much of it, but it really brought to light was um, the presence of AIs, uh, artificial intelligences. Um, they, these artificial intelligences are an up-and-coming thing, and a lot of people are turning to them. You're starting to see them. They're in videos. Um, uh, there was one where this artificial intelligence was, was portraying Jesus and speaking scripture, supposedly, but in a weird, weird way. It, it wasn't. It was with a slang, a twist to it. And I can't remember some of the stuff that, that he was saying, but it was off. It was off what the Word of God says. And as he was talking about the, these things, things started going off in my spirit about other things to do with AI, to do with the computers, and things like that. I heard years ago that the Antichrist. You know, the number of the Antichrist is 666. And the World Wide Web, the numerical value of that is 666. I'm not saying that's the Antichrist, but I'm saying it's lining up with the Antichrist. Now, God can use, can use through that system, not, not the 666, but through computers and things like that, he gets his, his word out. But we have to be knowledgeable of these things going on. They also have AIs that they're producing now, and Doc talked about this, was um, there, you can buy, for $10,000, you can buy an artificial um, being. Um, <laughs> doesn't really matter, whether, I guess, whether you're a male or a female, but you can buy a male one or a female one, and they'll give you pleasures. And they are um, realistic. Uh, they're very attractive. They look very real. Problem is, they're, they're not real. So what we're seeing is an inundation of artificial things, fake things that aren't real. But can the body of Christ? Can people really discern those? All right. The thing also with with this artificial intelligence that uh, that is a concern is I know a lot of people use. Um, their Bibles are on their phones. That can very easily be changed one word at a time, and they're in their process of doing this. They're coming out with Bibles that don't, uh, well, they're already out there. I mean, they've been in paper form. They've been in, in, in this form uh, for a long time. The NIV, I don't know whether you know this or not, but it's missing uh, at least 18 verses out of the Bible or more. Okay, uh, the NIV, or I, or I, like I like to refer to it, the, the nearly inspirational version. Um, it already has deleted a lot of scripture from, from the Bible. So to do it on a, on a computer or a phone, you, you know, I've got Bible apps on my phone. But I always come back to this <laughs> right here because this I know is real. This I know is true. 
So even though I, I may read a King James Version on there, but I'll come right back to this one because I'm, I, I, I'm not going to trust that. All right? And neither should you. So, and they're doing things with the Bible today. They're changing words. They're manipulating. And it may not be a big deal right now at this moment, but you, if you can just see this stretched out over a period of five years or ten years, and you've got, you got a generation coming up, and they get tied into something like that, and the words have already changed, the, and not only the word has changed, but the meaning of it has changed. The next thing you know, pedophilia is accepted. <laughs> the next thing you know, AIs are accepted. All right? You've got to have discernment. You've got to be able to discern. And what, what we've seen the, the, the enemy do is just pressure churches to remove the Holy Spirit from its surfaces, services. For the mere being that, see, when you spend time praying in the Spirit, you'll get your greatest revelation from God. There's things that God has only told me as I've prayed in the Spirit versus reading the Word or just sitting and praying. But there's things that when I pray in the Spirit, it, it just seems like the windows of heaven all of a sudden are opened up and just revelation comes. It's poured down. Sometimes it's to the point I'm like, hold on, hold on, Father, slow it down. It's coming too quickly. I mean, and that's what happens praying in the Spirit. See, what's happening is the enemy has pressured churches not to talk about that in services, not to rely on that. And I'm, talking, I'm not just talking about uh, what's called the conservative church. I'm talking about full gospel, Pentecostal churches, word of faith churches. I'm hearing ministers go, you know, guest ministers going into some of these churches, and they'll say, well, we don't do that here. We don't speak in tongues here. It's happening. So these are things that we have to be on guard for. And, and, and be prepared for it. Start realizing that things are happening. We're entered into the last days. It doesn't matter how, how the, the appearance of how much better it might seem that it's getting or will get. And there, I believe there's going to be times where we're going to see things get a lot better. But you can't put your guard down and say, okay, things have changed for the good, we're okay for it. No, 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 no. You live in a fallen world. This is a fallen world. It's not going to get better until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom here on earth. Then it will get better. But don't put your guard down because we're in, we're in the last days. These are the last days. Now, Proverbs 23, you there? I know... <laughs> I said something about that. I think I'm ready just to step into the word now. Proverbs 23. And look at verse 10 with me. It says, Remove not the old landmark and enter into the fields of the fatherless. Now, several times in Scripture, I mean, there's... Uh, it says this in a couple of verses, it refers to the landmarks. In Jeremiah, it mentions it. I think it's somewhere in, in Proverbs 22 or 21. Somewhere it talks about the landmark. But I like this word better here because it says, remove not the landmark and enter into the fields of the fatherless. See, there's landmarks. There's things that have been set in stone by those that went before us that we are not to remove. We are to keep them. Because what do they do? They, they keep you grounded into the Word. I remember, you know, as, as uh, Doc was, was ministering, and I, I meant to look it up, and I didn't, um, but he had a, a piece of paper from, uh, I believe it was... Uh, John Wesley. It was a preaching itinerary of John Wesley. And um, in this itinerary, he stood up and he, it was, a, it was a, 
sheet of paper like this. He had it all written down on. And he had the dates. And the first date on the paper uh, said that he, you know, he preached at a certain church in a certain city. And he was kicked out and told never to return. The second place he went to, the, the, the week later, he went and he gave the name of the church. And he went there and preached. And he said the elders escorted him out and told him never to come back. The third place he preached, the same thing happened. The fourth place he preached, the same thing happened. The fifth place, the same thing happened. The sixth place, it happened. And it was like 15, maybe 20 places in a row this man went and preached the gospel and was told, get out and don't ever come back. So, after about 20 of these, he was invited to preach in a meadow. I can't remember what state or what city it was in. It wasn't a church, but it was out in the meadow. And 50,000 people showed up. And, um, and most of them got saved. But you look at what, he, what did he do? He stayed with it. He stayed with it. He didn't quit. Boy, there was, you know there was times that he wanted to quit. After getting kicked out of church and church, church after church after church after church. I tell you, the, the reason I believe he stayed is because he'd heard from heaven. He knew what he was supposed to do. And I heard another story, this is not with, with Doc, but I, I read this myself concerning Reinhard Bonnke. And talk, I'm talking about the scripture here, remove not the ancient landmarks and enter into the fields of the fatherless. And this one really hits home. If you know who Reinhard Bonnke was and is, God called him to Africa to preach revivals. And when he, when Reinhard got to Africa, there was a, a, a minister from Africa that he met, and um, he allowed this minister to go with him and help him because he knew different, he knew parts in Africa and places and things like that. And uh, this man had some signs and wonders in his ministry before uh, Reinhard Bonnke had met him. But God had told him to, to use this man and, and, and go with him. So he went out and Reinhard Bonnke started, you know, his ministry started growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And there was miracles and miracles and miracles. I mean, millions of people were showing up at these meetings in Africa. People were w walking for days, some for weeks, to attend these services. And... Uh, One day, this minister that was with Reinhard Bonnke said to Reinhard, he said, you know, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't see the signs and wonders that you're seeing because I had them with me before I came. And you didn't know very much about this. And I've taught you a lot. I think I should have a greater role in this ministry. And Reinhardt said, you know, brother, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm going to do what God told me to do. And so this minister left, Reinhard Bonnke. And he, in his heart, he believed that Reinhard Bonnke's ministry would basically fail because Reinhard Bonnke didn't know about healing like this man knew. So he figured, well, within a few weeks or maybe a couple months, Reinhardt would be calling him back and asking him to come back. But a funny thing happened. The next service, Reinhard Monkey did it all by himself without this man's help, and they had more miracles. They had more healings. The next service, a few days later after that, the same thing happened. Within two weeks, this minister died. Why? Because he entered into the land of the fatherless. 
And he forgot there was a landmark. The landmark was what God call, had called Reinhard Bonnke to do. He called him. He didn't call him. He called Reinhard Bonnke into this ministry. And God told him who he could use. So he was there just to help Reinhard. He was not there to be, to get all of the, the praise and glory. But see, that's what happens is people get into the flesh and they think, well, I want God to use me. Well, that's fine. Everybody wants God to use them, but you know, God will use them in, 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 in the place. But we've got to watch and we've got to be skillful about not removing the landmarks and entering into the land of the fatherless because when you enter into the land of the fatherless, you not only have, you don't have the support of the father, but God has spiritual fathers he's brought into your life to speak into your life and to encourage you and sometimes to bring correction to you. All right, that, that, that's for, for all of us. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of this scripture here. Go, go here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul writes this. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse uh, 15, Paul says this, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now you break the scripture down here, what's all this saying, 10,000 instructors? Well, the actual Greek, Greek word, um, instructor, it means a schoolmaster. Well, what's a schoolmaster? A schoolmaster was someone that, you know, we don't use schoolmasters anymore, but they did years and years ago. Schoolmaster was somebody that they went out and got the children and brought them to school. So when he's talking about 10,000 instructors, what's he talking about? He's talking, though you've got a lot of believers with you, encouraging you, come to church. Come, come to the house of God. Hear the word of God, how important it is. He said, you don't have very many spiritual fathers. And that's true. When we look at the church today, there's not very many spiritual, actually spiritual fathers. What's the difference between a spiritual father and just one that, that claims that they're you know, a pastor? Well, a spiritual father is concerned about you. They're not a hireling. They're not someone that if a better offer comes along, they're out of here. And a lot of pastors, that's how they operate. If they get a better offer somewhere else, they'll leave. I've seen it happen. I've seen it in this city. Pastors leave the church because they got a better offer somewhere else. Well, what about God? What did God call you to do? What did he say to you? The reason why we're here is, and we're not somewhere else is because, because I, I went through this for 15 years with the Father about maybe, well, maybe we're supposed to be somewhere else. Maybe we're supposed to be in another city. No, no, no he's, that's, not what I, that's not what I told you. We're in this city. And when we started the, the church, I had, I had many ministers that we're still friends with. I mean, and this, this didn't affect that one way or the other. But they had even said to me, they said, you know, when I started pastoring, I, I, I first had a church in Boonville, and I couldn't make it there. So I had to come over here. So see, I had that, I had that coming against me. But one the conversations I had with the Lord concerning it was, this is where I called you. And if I want you to go somewhere else, I'll tell you. And that may happen down the road, but it has not happened. But what happens is a lot of ministers, when something better comes along, boom, they're out of here. I mean, I even had a church here a couple of years ago come to me here in, in the city. Said, you know, we'd like you to be our, come and be our pastor. And I think they were had, they had like 40, 50 people. We had four or five. Was I tempted? Oh yeah, I was tempted. But real quick, I was reminded. What did the Lord tell you? This one here. He didn't say anything about that one over there. So see. What Paul's saying here is, though you've got thousands of instructors, you don't have very many 
fathers in Christ. Because the father will stick, stay there. A father will minister to you. A father will teach you. A father will help you grow up in the body of Christ. That's what a spiritual father... He said, you, you don't have very many spiritual fathers. And that's what Proverbs talk about. Don't, don't remove the ancient landmarks. You know, when God has spoken to you, I, I've had, and that's the crazy thing about it, I've had people come to me and tell me, God told me to come here. And within a short period of time, they're gone. I'm like, why? Well, God changes his mind on you. He's not the same yesterday and today in your Bible because he told you to come here and now you're gone. What do you do? He changed his mind, right? What do I change his mind? Apparently something happened that he didn't expect to happen. Wow, there's, there's another one. No, 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 no. What's happening? It's easy for people to move the landmarks. What, how God speaks. When God gives you a word, that's it. I mean, you can try arguing with him all you want, but you're not going to change. You can convince yourself that this is the right thing to do, but until God tells you that's the thing to do... He's not going to go with you on it. And so, and, and so many people, that's where they get into trouble. And in these last days, some of this we're, we're going to look at here in just a minute, you're going to see why this happens. Because people have departed and moved away from the landmarks into the land of the fatherless, and they're not hearing the voice of God anymore. They're listening to their own voice. They're not listening to the voice of the Spirit because God already knows. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows how everything is going to work out, but you've got to trust him. And I was you know, speaking to a man of God the other day, and, and he was sharing some things with me. And, and one of the stories that he shared with me really stuck out. He said, you know, it's kind of like a person. He said, the Lord showed him this vision. And uh, they were walking down this road. And the Lord appeared before them on the road and said, here's where you need to go. Go down here on this road. And at this next road, turn right. And that's where you need to be. Right there. And then the Lord left. Well, the man walked a little bit and he stopped. And he looked and he saw there was a field right there. And you know, why do I want to walk all the way down there and then go all the way back over there when I can just walk through the field and get there faster? So he stepped off into the field. And as he was walking, all of a sudden he started getting attacked. People were coming against him. And then he walked into this one area, it was in a minefield. And they told him, stop, don't move. And he was caught because he couldn't move his foot or his feet. Because if you're in a minefield and you're still alive, you better not move your foot unless you know for sure what's underneath your foot. Because if you lift your foot up and you're standing on a mine, that trigger will go off and it'll kill you. All because of what? Because he thought he could get him. He, he saw a shortcut. But what did the Lord say? The Lord said, go down here. Turn right and you'll get to where you're supposed to be. The Lord's got an, e an easier way for you to go. But, you know, it says in Proverbs, many are the plans of man. Many are the devices. It says, the King James says devices. Well, that word devices means plans. Many are the plans of man, but the counsel of the Lord shall stand. The counsel of the Lord shall stand. So what has God spoken to you? What has God revealed to you? That's what you stand on. That's the point where you make that stand in your life and you believe everything. You don't, you don't try to conjure things up in your head and have them make because God's not going to speak to you in your head. He speaks to you in your spirit because he's inside you. He's not going to lead you with your thoughts. 
The devil will try to lead you with your thoughts. The devil will try to get you off course. Why? Because he wants you, he doesn't want you following the plan of God. Jesus said in John 10 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's got a plan. The devil's plan is to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy everything God was going to do through you and through your heritage, through your family. That's how he operates. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life in abundance. And he also said, my sheep know my voice, the voice of a stranger they're not going to follow. And we got churches telling people today, God doesn't speak to people anymore. I'm sorry. God doesn't speak to people anymore? We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Go back to the garden, or just outside of the garden, where Adam and Eve, remember Cain and Abel? And Abel, Abel brought... A, an offering that was pleasing to God? And what did Cain bring? Leftovers. And God said to Cain, why are you so down? If you would do the right thing, you would be blessed. And Cain got mad. Hold it, they're having a conversation. How is it possible that he's having a conversation with God and he does not have the Spirit of God living inside of him? And a pastor is going to stand in the pulpit today and say, God doesn't speak to people anymore? And that what's worse is the congregation doesn't even say, I don't, I'm not buying this, I, I'm out of here. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He doesn't talk to us anymore. We just got to believe that everything's in his hands. He's in control of everything. Did God make you eat that box of Wheaties this morning for breakfast? Did God make that drunk driver go out there and kill that person last night? Hit him with their car? Is he in control of that? No, he's not in control of that. I've said this before. God's ultimate plan is going to come to pass. He is in control of that. But all this mess we're seeing here on this, on this planet... He, he's not in control of that. That's not him. That's the devil doing that. We need to wake up and realize that God is operating and he's also operating through a certain way. Now let's go to another one here. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy cha chapter 3. Now we kind of get into the last days aspect of this, this word. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It says, This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, you break that down and you, people say, well, they've been saying that for years. The last days. The last days here in Greek doesn't mean the last days as, as far as from when Jesus was crucified till the end. This word here, last days, means the very, very, very end of something. If 12 midnight is the end of the day, the last days would be 1158, 1159 on the clock. It would be actually 11.59 and a half on the clock. It speaks of the very end of the end. In the very, very end of the end of time, of days, perilous times. And that word perilous means exceedingly fierce times 
are going to come upon the earth. Um, not like anything that has been experienced before. And what we're seeing actually being set up is, is, is this, exceedingly fierce times. They're, they're, they're ready to the point to say that if you're a Christian and what they're wanting to pass now, which I don't think they're going to be able to, but they could, <clears throat> is my, this digital currency. Do you know that with a digital currency, if your values don't line up with theirs, they can stop you from getting money? Yeah, they can block your account. If you don't agree that pedophilia is, is biblical, you won't, be able to, you won't be able to buy food. They're, we're there, people. This is real. That's what this is talking about in the last days. And you know, you think, well, I'll just go without food. Hold on now, now, now. I want you to think about this now. You can go without food, but what about your children? What about your grandchildren? You don't think the devil will go there? Oh, he, oh yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. You're going to find out who you're really, who you're really believing in. See, a lot of people will say in that day, in that day they will say, God understands. My, my babies need to eat. They're just children. They can't even talk. They just can't even walk. They need food. I'm doing this for them. Oh. No, 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 no. No. For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. We're seeing that already. If I was disobedient to my parents, they'd knock me out. Today's children, they'll take their parents to court. I'm, I'm talking about just one generation. What a difference it is. What a difference it is. Generation I grew up in would never even think about doing stuff like that. But here we are. Here we are, disobedient to parents. I'm thankful, I'm telling you. I have never seen people in a large scale so unthankful in all my entire life. Unholy. Now, he's not talking about worldly people. He's talking about believers here. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers. <laughs> False accusers. Doc Barkley said he was with Lester Summerall. First time he met him, he was up, I guess, up at his church up in Lafayette or wherever that. And uh, Lester Summerall come in, and if you, don't, if you know anything about Lester Summerall, he's really gruff and just kind of what he says goes. That's just the way he was. That's the way he was. He comes into, he comes into the sanctuary, and he's talking to certain people and Doc was, said he was standing over to one side and and Lester Summerall come up to him and he said you have to understand Lester Summerall he's an in your face person he said he got this close to me his face and my face and he said I understand you're a decorated marine he said, yes, sir. He said, huh. He turned around and walked away. Went talked to some more people. Ministered with some other people. A little while later, he come back. 
stood in his face again. Said something basically along those lines. I hear you're an instructor. You teach people. He said, no, I, I used to do that. He said, ha, and turned around and walked away. What do you listen to what, what, what Doc Barkley said to him? Third time he come back again. And he said, heard you were in the war and you shot people and they shot back at you. He said, well, yeah, that's who I was. He said, ha, and he turned around and walked away. So the fourth time, Lester Sobal come back to him and said, you think you've been treated mean in the war. You ain't met God's people. Because they'll spit on you. They'll stab you in the back. Now, not all of them. Not all of them. But what was he doing? He's trying to get him ready to stand. Because it's not easy. You're going to have to deal with people. As we grow, we're going to deal with people. We're going to have things come up that you're going to say, I never thought I saw that in, in church. Well, you better get ready because it's coming. And you've got to be ready and prepared and don't let it surprise you when it happens because we're going to have to deal with it. And that's what Lester Summerall was doing with Doc Barkley, was getting him ready. So that when things came up, he was ready to deal with people. Especially in these last times. Let's go on here. It says, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. But here Paul says this, from such turn away. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power, they deny the authority. Oh, I know God is God. And I know he can do this, but I don't know if he will. They come at from that standpoint. That should send warning signals off on the inside of you. Get ready, this is somebody, might, I may have to just step away from them. See, you can't fellowship with somebody like that because what will happen is they'll pull you down. Because they deny God's very authority, what he's already given you. They won't encourage you. They'll, they'll tear you down to their level so that what? They feel comfortable. You, how you believe, makes them feel uncomfortable. That's why they have to come at you and say, God doesn't do things like that anymore. I'm sorry, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Amen. Don't take your circumstance and cause your circumstance to line up with what you believe. Make your belief system line up with the word of God and your circumstance will change. But a lot of times what happens is when, when circumstances go south, People change what they believe and say, well, it must not have been God's will for my spouse to live. He needed another angel in heaven. You just changed. And you better be careful because you're walking down a dangerous path. I know they mean well. I know they're hurting. I understand that. And we have to have compassion for people like that. But there comes a point they keep living it for the rest of their lives. I mean, their spouse died five years ago. There's got to be a time where you say, okay, I've got to get on with living. Yeah, you've got to live according to the word. But Paul warns people, he said, from such that believe, they deny the authority, the power of God, turn away from them. Don't hang around with them. Don't fellowship with them. They'll pull you down. And he says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and leave captive, it says, silly women. 
Now that word silly actually means foolish women, laden with sins and, and are led away with diverse lusts. You have to understand that in Paul's time, women that had lost their spouses in wars or, or persecutions and things like that, people would come into the, to these women's homes that had, that had something and they would speak lies to them. They would speak hypocrisies to them. And these women would believe these people and be led away. Why? Because they were, they were foolish in their, their understanding. They, they didn't take the Word of God and apply the Word of God to their lives for various different reasons. Again, we go back, my people are destroyed for two reasons. A lack of knowledge and they reject it. What Paul is just saying here, this is of this sort are they which creep into houses and led uh, silly women or foolish women laden with sins and led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now that's very important. They were ever learning. They were, they were trying to learn the word of God, but they were never able to come to the knowledge or the knowing of truth because Jesus said the truth you know if you know it, you practice it, you live it, will set you free. So they were ever learning, but they were never able to come to the knowing of that truth. They were never able to live it. And they were led away. Now, verse 8, this is very important. Now, as John Ace and John Brace withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now, let's talk about that. John Ace and John Brace. Remember these two. Moses goes into Pharaoh, and he has his staff. And he takes his staff, and he lays it down, and it becomes a snake. And so Pharaoh calls his two wizards, Jonas and Jambres, and they take their staffs and they lay them down. And they become a snake. And that's what it's referring to. As Jonas and Jambres withstood Moses, they tried to stand and say, Moses, what you got ain't nothing special. As they tried to withstood the truth, that's what will happen in these last days. People will try to stand up and say, what you got is nothing special. What they forget is Moses' snake ate those two snakes. It had a lot more power. It wasn't afraid. It was outnumbered two to one, but it still ate their snakes. It made Jonathan Jambres look like idiots. That's what it's like in the last days. That's the times that we're living in. That's where we have to be cautious and not remove the ancient landmarks. And that's what the enemy is trying to do to the church, get the church to change how it has done things for thousands and thousands of years. Don't lay hands on people. Don't pray for the sick, because you might transmit a virus. They're already talking about bringing back lockdowns and bringing back masks. And this crazy thing about it is they've already said the masks don't work. The science has said the masks don't work, but they're going to try to bring them back. Why? It's about bondage, people. It's about bondage. I got news for you. We didn't close last time. If there is another time, we're not going to close again. It is not going to happen. The church is not this building. We're the church. Now they can come and confiscate the building. We'll just go somewhere else. We'll just go somewhere else. But we're not going to bow to them. And the Bible even talks about many in that day shall depart from the faith. Because when the pressure comes, you need food. How about your grandbabies? They need food. If you'll agree that pedophilia is okay. We'll open your account and you can feed them. Otherwise, they're going to they're die. 
Why do you think God has had me teaching you about standing in faith? I'm not saying you're going to have to use it in that aspect. I'm saying, why do you think the Lord has had me teach you about faith and standing, not being moved, how faith behaves? Because it's going to take people like that when they do that, because there's going to be others that say, okay, I'll agree. Feed my babies. What do they do? They just turn their back on, on Jesus. They just denied Christ. They walked away from their salvation. Why? Because they didn't know about faith. And I'd, I'd even go so far as to say they, they may not even have been believers to begin with. I don't know. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying they may not have been. They, they may have sat in a church building all their lives thought that because I go to church, I'm a Christian. No. A dis, you're supposed to be a disciple. You're supposed to do the same things Jesus does. Live that way because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Live. The key word is we live by faith. You can try to take away things from me, but that's okay. God supplies my supply. The government's not the supply. The new world order is not the supply. Jesus is my supply. The Father is my supply. I mean, come on now. If he can cause birds to get a meal and bring it to the prophet and have him drop that food down there so the prophet could eat. Now, don't think for a minute when you think about that story that the birds were bringing raw food and dropping it on the prophet of God. No, I'll tell you what happened. God had them birds fly into to Ahab and Jezebel's king, their, their castle and go gra grab the prime rib that they were going to have for dinner, pick it up, and walk right out the building and fly and drop it in the, in the prophet for him to eat. That's what the Lord was showing me. Thank you. I see this video a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't think I, I shared this with you. I'm done. I'm closing right now. But you know what? It was the wildest thing I'd ever seen. And it didn't make sense until just right now. But in this video, it was, it was somewhere on a, like a, a coastal, an oceanfront town. And there was a store there, and it had those doors that slid back and forth like this, you know. All right, you'd step on the mat and the door would open up and you'd go inside. Well, this little seagull, white seagull, flies down and lands in front of this, this building. And uh, he walks back, or he or she, I don't know, walks back and forth in front of the, in front of the door. They won't open because it's just a seagull. Finally, a person walks by and walks around the seagull, steps on the path, the door is open. The seagull walks in the door. And right there at the front, facing the doors, about five feet from the doors, is a cooler. One of those coolers that you know, are, are at an angle and had different levels in there. The seagull jumps up on top of the edge of the cooler and reaches in with his beak, or her beak, and grabs one of those pre-packaged sandwiches. Picks it up, drops it on the floor, and hops down, grabs it, and comes up. By this time, the door has closed again. So the seagull standing inside the door with the door closed, waiting, and somebody, sure enough, walks by and accidentally hits the door. And the door opens up, and the seagull walks right on out with the food, and a passerby tried to get the food from the seagull, because they see what he did, and the seagull just ran off and took it. And I'm thinking, if, if a seagull can do that, God can get you and me food no matter what. Amen. So see, don't, let, don't try to figure that out in your head. I'm not saying we're going to have to, but always understand, somehow, some way, God's going to get it to you. If you'll stand. If you'll stand. But see, that's where your brain, your mind's going to come in, because... You can imagine the pressure a person is put under. You agree with this pedophilia or your family starves. Deny Jesus. 
or your family starves? Which one are you going to do? You better have that settled in here. You better have that settled because it's not going to be just about you. Somehow, some way, it's going to be about somebody that you, that you care about greatly. And that's where they're going to threaten. If you don't do this, we're going to hurt them. So you better have it settled in here, what you're going to do. Because if you don't have it settled, when that pressure hits, you're liable to do something that you re you'll regret later. And by then, it, it could be too late. It could be too late. It could be too late. Did you get something today? Let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.